Here we go. This is Coors Light's Blue 42. We're going to go red, right, tight, close, sprint left, G, U corner, half back, flat, on two, ready, right. Blue 42 is brought to you by Frost Brewed Coors Light. The mountains turn blue at 42 degrees. Blue 42. Now here's your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Blue 42. Blue 42. Good morning, Brock. How are you now? Well, good morning, Paulie. Good morning. Yes, I had a, a wonderful week off. Thank you for allowing me to... To get some sunshine down in beautiful Cabo for the week, just Molly and I, and man, the, the Seahawks got a little busy. I, I, I guess I just had to kind of head out of town, and then the Seahawks decided to just make all sorts of moves over the week. It's very cool. Very busy week for football. Before before we get to question one, though, uh, how about how about the boy, Sam Heward, setting the state passing record? <laughs> Pretty cool. 514 yards and eight touchdowns in one game. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Did they run up the score, Brock? <laughs> no, they. They. Uh, I think he broke the record in the first half. So what? I think. That's I think insane. it's yes. I think it three eighty in the first half. So as long as I think you do most of that damage in the first two quarters of play. Have you ever caught a lefty, by the way, Paul? No, have I ever... have not. No, oh, I, I still want man. you to throw me a pass to see whether or not I actually would be able to handle it. Okay. Well, he's we hurt will... some fingers around here. I've yeah. heard this. The <laughs> challenge need... accepted. We will. We will need to. We will need to do that. You would. You would like catching his because his are he just throws some pretty tight bullets and rockets and has unbelievable touch i'll say that i I think of any high school kid i'll be proud uncle here for a moment go ahead of any high schoolers that i've watched and i've watched a lot of them i don't think i've ever seen one with he has the russell wilson moon ball down he's got the ability to put it up in the rafters and then turn it over nose down which for a receiver they just love, right? You love to catch that ball. It gives you a read. You can go high point it. Um, you know, it just you can you get just such a better read. Other than those, you know, compared to guys that, that can never turn the ball over, and you're trying to adjust to it and read it and where's it going. So his accuracy on his deep ball touches is pretty pretty amazing. And, and now he'll get to put it on display as yeah he breaks the record Saturday and then is in class right now at the UW on Monday. That's, so enrolled in spring quarter. Yeah, UW should be pretty excited. One of those throws, Brock, that I saw him throw was a touchdown pass. I think it was like in the left side of the end zone at the very back of the end zone. It was like a bullet just on a straight line. I thought for sure it was going to go out of the end zone. Some guy got up and yeah. caught it. It was, it was a heck of a throw. Pretty cool system, too. I think he'd be the first to tell you to, to get to play for Sheldon Cross, his head coach there, air raid guy that just, you know, they're all in on that and That's they awesome. believe in it. And, yeah, it was, uh, was quite a four-year run for Sammy, no question, and Kennedy. Very, very cool. Kennedy Catholic. Shout out to them. 60 there we go. Yeah. All right. All right. Question number one, Brock. The 49ers have the number three pick after the big trade that they made on Friday. Three first-round picks, a third-round pick. Who will they pick and who should they pick? In, or, in order to make that move, Paul, they've got to feel equally great about Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. I think Trey Lance is a little bit of a dark horse, a guy that's played one year. Maybe you feel good that Jimmy can give you kind of one more season and he can learn the ropes a little bit. But you're talking about a guy, as far as seasoning goes, of playing high-level competition and high-level football that has been you know, way, way, way far behind a Justin Fields or a Zach Wilson. So his learning curve is going to be incredibly, incredibly steep, though his skill set, I think, fits that system. But I think John Lynch and, and Shanahan make that move because after two months of watching tape, they say whether it's Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, we could win with either. 
Uh, we love the economics of it, to have a quarterback for five years on a, on a rookie deal. Both those guys move extraordinarily well. Wilson throws it uh, better from the pocket. Fields probably throws it better on the move. But both of those guys are going to be an upgrade athletically, uh, physically, arm talent-wise, and a Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think they make that move to three, feeling equally good, whatever guy is on that envelope that they turn in, uh, that they believe in. I'm intrigued that you, you didn't mention Mac Jones among those guys. And honestly, I haven't heard a whole lot about Justin Fields recently, which is funny because going into this year, it seemed like he was probably going to be the number two pick in the coming draft. And, and I'm guessing it's because of one of the words that you said along the way that Kyle Shanahan's looking for athleticism at quarterback. I think you do. I think you got to be able to move a little bit. I think in a Jimmy Garoppolo, he's had in many ways a Mac Jones, a, a guy that's very, very accurate you know, between the tackles, but is not a guy that can move or create at all, does not throw on the run nearly uh, as well as he does from the pocket. Mac Jones never had to throw on the run. Uh, he had two first-round, you know, well, actually four first-round receivers over the last two years that he threw to. Uh, first-round running back, all sorts of first-round linemen. But, I mean, I, I don't want to diminish it. I think he's an accurate guy. I think he's unbelievably polished. Sark did a, an amazing job with him. But the whole RPO game and, and wide-open people, we know that changes at, at this level level and, and I think more than anything just just the system just the movement just the creativity I think in the field, fields and Wilson you have two guys that just uh just fit perfectly with what Shanahan loves to do do you think Shanahan deserves the benefit of the doubt with any quarterback because I feel that given his track record with guys like Matt Schaub and with Matt Ryan of course the MVP sure. season RG3's rookie year He's done a pretty good job. I, I guess the jury's still out on Jimmy Garoppolo, and we have a pretty good idea. But they did go to a Super Bowl with Garoppolo. They did. They did. Yeah, I think I think he is a guy that if you're a young quarterback, you can't wait. You call up Matt Ryan, and you call up Matt Schaub and those guys, and say, "Hey, what am I, what am I getting?" And, and Coach Shanahan, they're going to tell you, uh, "You're going to get a guy that puts you in a position to have success. That gets you guys that that are open. That, that he's creative. That he believes in a run game that, that makes it you know balanced and, and makes the defense." honor that and then all of the play action that comes off of it the creativity that comes with it and as i said i think if if you're zach wilson or you're justin fields uh, i think justin will have his pro day on tuesday we've not heard anything about him he and mac jones both actually tomorrow uh, have hmm. simultaneous pro days and i was reading that the 49ers split duties that uh that i think lynch and shanahan are actually going to alabama and then sending one of their other assistants up to Columbus. So do you read anything into that? I don't know. But just for me, athletically, upside, skills, tools, what does a Mac Jones have that those two don't have? Uh, and it's <laughs> uh, nothing. And I think those other two have a whole bunch of tools in the tool chest that Mac yeah. doesn't. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. I think Mac's maybe more is more accurate than Justin Fields. Yeah. I think he's more accurate and more polished, but uh, how much of his ceiling is he already realized versus the Fields and Wilson that I think still have a bunch to capture? All right, Brock, question number two. Wilson's interesting because of that big throw that he had, and a lot of people are already penning him in essentially as the number two pick to the New York Jets because of that throw he had at his pro day. A ridiculous throw, by the way. Right. Still, though, eh, it's a pro day. Uh, but uh, question two for you, Brock. Everyone else in the division, they've made big moves this offseason. The Cardinals, they bring in J.J. Watt, A.J. Green, maybe 2015 moves. They're a little bit sexier, but they did bring in some guys this offseason. The Rams trade for Matt Stafford. The 49ers trade up to pick number three. The Seahawks, meanwhile, traded for a guard. 
added a tight end. They only have three draft picks. Should they be worried about all the other NFC West teams making moves this offseason? Well, I don't think they're done. I, I think the Jaron Reed move is kind of signifies some of that, whether that's another corner, whether that's a, a receiver number three. There's still some veteran, very intriguing names out there. But I think most importantly, Paul, they continue to, to do what they've done over a decade as the Cardinals have gone up and down, as the Rams have gone a little bit up and up and down, as the 49ers have gone a little bit up and down. And that is stay true to, to their DNA, and that is the line of scrimmage. And I, for one, even down in Cabo, was pretty thrilled about getting Carlos Dunlap back. We've talked about that. That was priority number one for me. You bring Chris Carson back. Uh, he, you know, it, it was probably priority number number two or three for me. You do add to your offensive line, add some continuity with Posta coming back, bring in a, a guy that is that's much better at this stage in a Mikey Potty or Jordan Simmons uh, and Gabe Jackson. So, and then Kerry Hyder to me is a sneaky, really good one. To be honest with you, that guy when I watched the 49ers last year, and remember down Solomon Thomas, down Bosa, down all these guys, he thought, oh, the Niners D line is done. No, who is that guy? And who is that disruptor? And who's constantly just harassing and pressuring and, and getting after the quarterback? And a true, and I said it when the move was made, I think for the first time, a true comp to Michael Bennett. To 2014, yeah. 2015, Michael Bennett is a five technique, is a nickel rusher, is a disruptive, powerful. And, and, and to get him at, at, the, at the cost they got him, to me, was a sneaky, really good deal. So, uh, no, I, I I feel actually after the last seven days or so and knowing over the next seven to, to 14 days, there's probably another move or two and that I think their patience paid you know pretty significant dividends. It's pretty strange that they have all of these ex-San Francisco 49ers that they've brought in over the last year. And it almost makes me wonder, what's San Francisco missing? Because, of course, we're not just talking about Kerry Hyder, but also Akilah Witherspoon and yeah. DJ Reed, too, last year. I think a similarity in scheme and fit helps. Uh, I think when a Robert Sala for the last three years, when you can watch that tape and say, okay, how are these guys going to fit into what we do? Does, does Weatherspoon know our technique? Does he know our style? Does he understand our concepts? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's going to be so much further advanced than a Dunbar or others that you've tried to bring in at that position and struggled a little bit. So I think having that familiarity and scheme and style and, and knowing kind of what is asked in it is is super beneficial in that evaluation and hopefully being able to climb that learning curve a little bit faster than some of the free agents have in years past. Question number three. Jaron Reed, gone. He signs with the Kansas City Chiefs. Seattle not able to trade him in that contract. Al Woods back in the mix. Brock, what should the Seahawks do the rest of this offseason? Yeah, I, I I understood that move to a degree. I did not understand necessarily Ian Rappaport's little what a uh, weird sneak, tweet, sneaky little tweet, little line at the end of it, saying that if money was you know that it wasn't about money because if he wanted to make more, he could have made a little bit more in Seattle, but but wanted to get out and I guess have a freedom of expression, wanted to play with another dominant D tackle, wanted to play with Frank Clark, wanted to play in a system that that's going to let him really get upfield, uh, much more blitz in Spagnola with the Chiefs, uh, a much more aggressive one gapping blitzing you know blitz a lot of people so so maybe you know amp up those sack numbers which we know leads to to cash numbers for those defensive linemen so 
Okay, can kind of get that bet that the Jaron's making. Al Woods is a better run stuffer, um, and this probably also signifies moving LJ Collier inside a little bit more. LJ Collier, to me, was never going to be a dynamic edge rusher. If you're not a dynamic edge guy in college, you're not getting to the NFL and all of a sudden becoming a dynamic edge rusher. Uh, so I, I think this probably does spell a little bit of, of LJ moving inside, a guy that can carry. You know, I think similar weight to Jaron, 295, 300 pounds, uh, be a little bit more active, maybe give him more opportunity, uh, you know, to showcase some of his short area quickness with his size and maybe actually, you know, a little better fit. I don't think it's going to be a, a Red Bryant from the three technique to five and revolutionize LJ's career. But I do think it's, you know, physically with where he's at um, and, and, and adding in a carry Hyder, probably a pretty good mix. I'm very curious to see what kind of impact Jaron Reed leaving will have on this defense. Because in 2019, Brock, I was very underwhelmed. Last year, there were some moments where he looked good. I I, I didn't feel like he looked at all like the player I like thought. Like an $11 million player. Right. And, and, and to me, so I, I'm not that broken up about them moving on from him. But at the same time, there is a part of me that, that wonders if someone that has been productive like that will actually leave a bit of a void on this defense. Yeah, and he will probably be one, unlike Jadavian Clowney, because of those guys I mentioned earlier and that scheme fit that, that I think will be better for him. You're going to see him have seven, eight sacks next year and go, my gosh, we could have sure used that. Where was our <laughs> seven, eight sacks? Why has LJ Collier got four? Why, you know, where, where's Kerry Hyder? So, you know, that, but those are the, the bets that they've got to make. They, they wanted to add a Hyder. They wanted to add a Dunlap. They may want to add another corner or a receiver that, you know, that they still got, I think, a few things on their wish list, especially, as you said, with only three draft picks. So those millions of dollars become pretty critical and, for me, if you were to say, okay, is Jaron Reed worthy of, you know, an $11 million, that two-year $23 million? No, I think there's better ways to spend it, and I think that was the judgment that John and Pete and the crew made down there at the VMAC. Hi, Brock. Who is that? Who is this man that it's speaks me. to me? Who is this? Yeah. Who that? <laughs> Hi, speaks Danny. Speaks to you as if I asked for your opinion. That's right. I, now, I you, think... you sound great. Whatever got done Do there. I? Yeah. yeah w- well, you don't sound like you're in the Matrix anymore. <laughs> I, I'm a long way from great, let me tell you. Um, I, I may have some apologies to make to my wife after this is all yes. said and done. <laughs> oh, I know that Irish temper. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah that, can, that can happen from time to time. And then you're Isn't a great apologist, too. You know, you circle, I do. Back, I do. you circle back around and you find a way to be super sweet and apologize. Yeah. Um, Jaron Reed, this is just John Schneider saying, like, we thought you could be the pass rushing type, but you're more the Brandon Meebane type. And that's okay, but we're not yeah. paying $8 million for that. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And there's just been, you know, let's face it, some inconsistencies, you know, uh, on and off of the field there. That I think they loved him. They went up and got him because he was a truly alpha, just a pretty dominant force there at Alabama. Maybe not even in the stat column, but just in personality. And I don't know if we ever really saw that extension. And when you get suspended for six games and you're kind of in and out, uh, I, I think that burdens some of that voice of leadership, and I think that is where uh, a Carlos Dunlap, I think, grew on them last year. And, and again, kudos kudos to them. But we're very quick, and, and I will raise my hand as one to point to Eddie Lacy or Luke Jokel or some of these wasted dollars in free agency. But, man, I don't know, Danny and Paul, if they could have played that any better with Carlos Dunlap. An understanding of what the market conditions were, 
you know, the way they treated him over the course of last season through these negotiations to not napalm any bridge and to be able to bring him back into the fold at, at a number that is much more palatable, that allows you to continue to, to spread resources around. Kudos to them on a job well done. That is Blue 42. Paul Gallant's been doing yeoman's work this morning. Brock Heward is the star, as always. And, Brock, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Sure. Were you watching any Sam Heward highlights over the weekend, Danny? Yeah. Dude, I did. 522 yards. You know, you know, actually, actually, you want to, Brock, yes, hey, congratulations to your nephew. That's awesome. To set the state passing record, that's absolutely fantastic. As I understand it, he's going to be uh, stepping foot on the most glorious campus in the country this morning. I believe he moved into, yeah, I think he moved into the dorm yesterday. And yes, is setting foot in class as we speak this morning. Bill so, Walsh yes. is in Washington State as Rome this weekend. So I don't know if it's quite the same. <laughs> Um, is he staying in Haggett Hall? Were you a Haggett? No, kid? I was a Haggett. Uh, yeah, I was a I was a McCarty Hall, the quiet dorm, and then I was a Haggett Hall. Yeah, and then I was a Haggett Hall. No, I think the I think the uh, I think the athletes are down the road a little bit, and maybe Terry is Terry the one that was on. I think I don't know, but I yeah. I think he'll uh, he'll probably Terry move is over. The, Terry is the last one. You used to be able to live into the crew house until Tanaki Smith oh, took care of that. Oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> so okay, Tanaki. we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. We'll see you. Good to be back. <laughs> Thanks, Brock. That is Brock Heward, uh, Blue, uh, Blue Forty Two, which is brought to you by Frost Brewed Coors Light.